Welcome to episode 69 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Andy Wacker, Boulder-based professional road and mountain runner. I first heard about Andy through Adriana and Jeremy Nelson, featured on the Running on Ohm podcast number 58 from the Boulder series, who are the founders of Roll Recovery. They told me about Andy's story and how he had been having success at many different races, from biking to mountain running to road halves, and I knew I had to have him on the podcast. Before we jump into the interview with Andy, I want to tell you that last week, Running on Ohm published its first Yoga for Runners video on the Running on Ohm YouTube channel. It is an almost 40-minute yoga video that is meant to be a dynamic cool-down for runners post-run or on a recovery day, focused on opening the hips and elongating the side body. Check it out and let me know what you think. Also, if you've listened to at least three podcasts and want to help more like-minded people find the Running on Ohm podcast please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Also, I'm always open to feedback or questions, and I encourage you to leave your comments on our Facebook page. Let's jump into the show with Andy. Andy discusses his background in running, from why he started running in middle school to competing in high school, the transition from high school to collegiate running, Andy's recount of his biggest breakthrough race in college, where he ran 13 minutes, 41 seconds in the 5K. The three central lessons Andy learned from Coach Mark Wetmore, his renowned coach at the University of Colorado. How Andy stayed motivated on a long road back from an injury. Why Andy started mountain racing. Reflections on his recent third place finish at the Pikes Peak Ascent. Andy's favorite running spots and reads. Upcoming races and goals revealed. Lastly, the craziest animals Andy has seen on the trail. All this and more on this episode of the Running on Ohm podcast. Oh. Welcome, Andy, to the Running on Ohm podcast. (laughs) Thanks. So what inspired you to first start running? It's funny. Someone just asked me this question a couple days ago, and I haven't really thought about it in a while. But uh, basically, I started running because there was this thing called the presidential fitness challenge or something like that when you're in like elementary school and you have to do all these different physical things. You have to do like the sit and reach and like pull-ups. Um, and one of them was a mile run. And for whatever reason, it was just like really fun to be competitive and battle it out, you know, 10 minute mile with my other elementary school kids. And that kind of got me into it originally. But I really started running um, in seventh grade kind of years later, just because of my interest yeah, that started that early. So and in middle school, in seventh grade, was it clear that you had a talent? Were you one of those kids who was winning every race? Or was it a pretty gradual um, road to success for you? How did it go down? It's kind of funny. It's kind of both because I went to this tiny little private school. And so in seventh grade, I was on the varsity high school team because there wasn't enough people like in high school to field a whole team, really. And so... I was doing well, but the level of competition was really low because <laughs> it was this tiny private school in North Carolina. And so we were competing against, you know, other private schools that had 100 people in the school. <laughs> um, but yeah, just it's grown from there. I've gotten better and better, but also the level of competition has a lot better too. So. <laughs> and in high school, what was a turning point for you when you knew you would and you wanted to run in college? I mean, you ran at CU, which is one of the most competitive programs in the country. How did that happen? Um, I mean, it's just kind of like I said, it just every year I got better and better. And 
Um, you know, it was always something that interested me. I knew I was going to go to college. I knew that running in college would be exciting for me, even, you know, as a freshman or something like that in high school. So um, it's funny because you said you you went to, you know, the, the running camp here at CU run by Jay Johnson. And um, I went to that when I was uh, a sophomore. And that kind of drew me to CU and made me get more serious. And it was funny because at the time I had no idea that CU was a good running school. <laughs> I just wanted to go to get out of North Carolina and go somewhere different. And yeah, I ended up here and they're like, yeah, we just won like the national championship like a couple of months ago for cross country. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> just had no idea. So. Wow. And throughout your college career, what stands out for you as your most memorable race or your biggest breakthrough, whether that was in a workout or just a training run? Yeah, so that was definitely um, when I ran uh, 13.41 in the 5K at Stanford. And it had been a kind of a long road, like uh, it was my junior year when I did this, but um, I'd run... I like joke with people, but I've literally run every second between 14.01 and 14.10, some of them multiple times, like 14.03 and 14.05 run like three times. And it's really frustrating. It's just one of those barriers, like a four-minute mile or something when you're trying to break 14 minutes, and it just wasn't happening. I'd be in these competitive races, and it'd be like a sit and kick, and again, I'd run like 14.0 every time. And uh, of all times, of course, we're running at Stanford. It was the, the Peyton Jordan Invitational in like 2011 or something like that. And uh, it was exam week for CU. So I was super stressed out. I'd been up like all night for like a week studying for organic chemistry, which went horrible. <laughs> so it didn't even matter. I, uh, I, took, uh, I took the organic chemistry test the morning of and left late. Mark Whitmore took me by himself to the airport. We get to the airport and we finally arrive, you know, in Palo Alto. And then I, I had to race the next day in the evening. And that day, I had to take another exam on the road. So I took it, uh, I can't remember what, what subject it was, but I took some exam, you know, in the pool like area outside at our hotel, Palo Alto. And somehow, after all being stressed out and doing all this, I somehow came through and ran a, you know, a big PR and finally broke 14 minutes for the first time, ran 13.41. So that was definitely a good breakthrough race. <laughs> That's a huge PR. Can you take me to that actual race and what happened for you mentally and physically? Were you leading the race? Were there a lot of people behind you? How did it go down? Uh, I can't remember everything, but I know that it, it was just, you know, one of those magical nights in Palo Alto that you can't beat. The weather was great and um, lots of good people to run with. And uh, I remember just being somewhere, you know, like third or fourth position, just kind of sitting in the pack and getting through a lot of laps and with a lap or two to go, I was like, I'm going to try to win this. And I was really close. I, I think I ended up running like 57 seconds for the last lap, which is fast for a slow marathon type guy like me. And uh, I ended up getting like third or fourth in the race, kind of like the position I was in the whole race, but came really close to winning it. And it was really exciting. So <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, seriously. Now you mentioned Mark Wetmore's name and he was your coach. He's definitely one of the most famous distance running coaches in college. What would you say are the three biggest lessons or things that you learned from him? Three. Okay. Um, let me think. A couple different ones. Number one, which is, he always tells us to everyone, which is be autonomous, which he means, um, you know, it's not high school. You don't want your coach tying your shoes and doing all that. It's know your body and know what you need to do and be businesslike about um, your races. So when you're going to a race, just do everything right, and it's on you. It's not on him. <laughs> so that was 
definitely one of the things we learned and um, I continue to use now, especially because I'm kind of a self-coach, so be autonomous. Um, the second thing is probably, kind of just mentioned it, but um, put a lot of uh, emphasis on kind of knowing knowing yourself. And so for all my races, especially recently, it's really about knowing you know, what, kind, what level of effort can you sustain and what's your heart rate and knowing these things, you know, like being able to know, oh, this is where I'm at right now. And, you know, how much longer can I hold this pace? Am I going to feel terrible? So that it really helps you kind of not blow up at the end of a race. <laughs> and then another thing, man, he's, he's taught so many things, but um, I guess the last one, this is kind of a funny story more or less, but um, I, n- I never really like won any big races, but when I was a senior, I uh, got really close to winning the, um, what's it called, pre-national race in cross-country, and it was just me and this guy named uh, Leonard Career who went to Iona at the time, and he's really talented. He was like a 27-30 national champion, 10K runner, and I, my credentials were not, nowhere near that, and uh, <clears throat> Mark Wetmore has a, a literary background. Um, I think he was an English major for his undergrad, and um, I was reading a book about Taoism at the time. And there's something called the Wu Wei, which is like, go with the flow, you know, like if you're a tree, just grow. That's all there is to do. It's not like, you don't try to do anything, just do it. <laughs> you just let it happen. And um, so one of the things is kind of that, just kind of to, uh, when you're in a race and you're in a hard, difficult situation where you're trying to win a race, um, it was real windy during this, this particular cross-country race where it was me and Lenny kind of battling it out, and it was like, you know, just let it happen. Don't fight the wind. Don't fight the terrain. Just, um, you know, relax and, uh, and make it easy. <laughs> so that helped me and did pretty well with this one guy, but we had a good battle. So <laughs> Very cool. Now you transitioned from college to having a team, a lot of people to run with, with now running professionally on your own. Do you have training partners now, and how do you stay inspired to get out the door on mornings when you know it's windy or when you don't really want to lace up your shoes? What keeps you motivated? Yeah, it's been really, really hard, actually. The last year, um, I was hurt. I, I got injured about a year ago. I was out for nine months, and I just couldn't run 20 feet without pain. So that was really difficult just because, you know, trying to stay motivated through that and being able to, um, whatever whatever I could do, run a mile on a treadmill in the middle of January or go out and run, you know, 12-minute miles on a creek path when it's windy at night. <laughs> just, uh, it's not, not very exciting and um, it's really slow and hard to get back into it. But um, I've always just been so, you know, there's, there's more to go and there's bigger goals and things like that and I'm... I'm not going to be satisfied by myself until I reach those. So it's not really for anyone else. It's just for me. And um, that's what keeps me motivated, just knowing that I'm not done yet. <laughs> so. And tell listeners a little bit about that injury. And did you continue to cross-train through it? What were, how did you rehab the experience? Yeah, this is a good story, too, actually. I was meaning to tell you this. So um, it's been kind of a really crazy year, basically. Um, so last year... I ran the U.S. Mountain Running Champs, which is ironic because you're going to talk about Pikes Peak eventually. And uh, I've always loved cross-country, and I thought, oh, this will be like cross-country. We'll just, you know, a bunch of people running up and down mountains. You know, I live in Boulder. I love to run on trails. 
live in the Rocky Mountains. So how can this go? How can this go wrong? I'll go uh, go to New Hampshire and and go have uh, some fun running up and down the mountain. What I didn't know is when I arrived in New Hampshire is that uh, it's not on a trail. <laughs> it's straight up this ski resort called Mount Cranmore, and uh, it's it's a black diamond. But you're not even on the black diamond. You're like in the woods next to it, which is steeper and like less well groomed. <laughs> so. It was kind of a disaster. I kind of panicked at that point. And uh, the next day we had to run the race. And so it's, I mean, it's insane what these people do who do this every year. <laughs> but um, yeah, we were running up and down the Black Diamonds. I was going like four minutes a mile downhill, flailing my arms, trying not to crash and break my arm or something. My one friend, Brandon, actually did fall and get all scraped up. Luckily, he's all right. And oh, it was a mess. But uh, uh, I ended up finishing the race and doing all right, I got seventh, but, uh, I was, uh, I tore my hamstring in the meantime. So, uh, and then in the end of the race, I was like, I felt my hamstring kind of tighten up and I didn't think much of it until several weeks later when I started trying to run again, cause I planned time off and it didn't happen. So <laughs> I messed up my hamstring, but, uh, sorry, I'm not really answering your question. Got a little sidetracked, but uh, in so terms how did of, you rehab from that hamstring injury? Did you just call it quits? I mean, you've had some really successful races recently, so I imagine you were continuing to train in some capacity. Yeah, no way. You don't want to give it up ever. So um, I was, you know, planning on doing races, you know, a month after that or something like that. So I was trying to run, and it was uh, just I couldn't run on it. It was too bad of an injury, so I was kind of limping around, and finally called that quits. Um, I took a couple weeks just doing nothing, hoping that would help, and it didn't. And uh, when I realized it was going to be a little bit longer, I, I kind of went nuts. And I started like swimming a mile every day and biking and um, tried to get an Ultra-G, tried to do basically everything and anything I could um, to stay fit, which is pretty difficult um, just because it's hard to replicate running. But on the bright side, it did get me into bike racing, which I started this spring for fun. So... <laughs> Yeah, got a lot of miles biking. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, with the injury prevention, what would you say are three tips you have for people for injury prevention? Because when you're running a lot of miles, most people are bound to get injured. How did you learn from this experience and move forward? Yeah, one thing that I didn't do very well is just kind of do kind of extra exercises when you're running. It's very linear. You're going forward and um, you kind of need to make sure that you're you know, one, that you're balanced. So if you have some kind of weaknesses, for example, you know, some people are, for my, for me, for instance, you know, you have stronger quads and things like that compared to your hamstrings and glutes. And so doing glute exercises would have helped. Um, but also just kind of doing some cross training in general. So if I've done more biking or swimming or something like that might have helped and making sure you kind of have a full, full body instead of just kind of working these same muscles in the same way all the time. So and, yeah, don't run down Big Mountain. It's probably not the best idea. <laughs> For sure. Now, you recently ran a Big Mountain, Pikes Peak, and you placed third overall. How did you decide to go back to the mountain racing circuit, and what was the experience like during the race? Yeah, so this, again, kind of silly stuff how I get myself into these things, but I vowed after last year's experience that I was never going to do any more mountain running because I was sick of it. Of course, that little sour taste in my mouth after getting injured and um, I thought I was going to win that race and it didn't go well. So um, basically what happened is a friend of mine and my training partner, Jeff Eggleston, he's a marathoner here in Boulder, um, 
we ran the Rock and Roll San Diego Half Marathon in June, and probably a couple days after, maybe like the day after the race, so like Monday, we're both back in Boulder, and he texts me, and he goes, oh, do you want to do a hill workout? And I was like, Jeff, no, I'm not going to even run today. I just ran a half marathon yesterday. I'm pretty trashed. <laughs> and he goes, and, you know, a couple hours later, he texts me back, and he goes, oh, I mean, not today, like in a couple of days or something like that. And what he meant was by hill workout was to run um, the Mount Evans uh, road race, which is a 15 and a half mile um, road race up a 14,000 foot mountain, Mount Evans. Uh, <laughs> so he kind of convinced me to do that somehow. I, I don't know. I look up to him and uh, didn't take much convincing. He just was like, oh, let's go do this. And I was like, fine. <laughs> um, and, you know, luckily there's no downhill, it's only uphill. So I figured, you know, I'm not going to tear my hammy going downhill because it's only up. And I ended up winning that race and qualifying for Pikes Peak and uh, the U.S. team. And it's kind of hard to say no to that. And after doing well at Mount Evans, I figured, why not? So. <laughs> and at Pikes Peak, what was your experience like running it? Were you in third most of the race? And what was your race strategy going in? Yeah, so I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. I've only been on the mountain about twice, so I went up there like a week ago just to go check out the trail, and then I did a race um, maybe five weeks ago that ran up halfway and down just so I could see the trail because I hadn't seen it, and uh, it's really different because it's, it's a half marathon up 7,800 feet of climbing, which is insane, so... Uh, I was definitely didn't know what to expect. I mean, it takes most people over two hours at least, which would be the longest race I've ever done. Um, you know, it's really different too because when I ran that little practice race halfway up, um, since it's all uphill, if you go out too hard, you're done because you can't really recover. You know, like in a road race or something, you would just slow down and your kind of heart rate would go down and you'd feel better. But it's just like continually something like 10% grade up uh, switchbacks. And so... You, you basically would have to stop and walk if you really want your heart rate to go down, which you probably don't want to do in the middle of a race. So uh, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I knew that I'd probably be better suited to the first part of the race because the first mile, um, mile and a half is on a road. I'm kind of a road racer, a flat guy, and um, probably have a little bit more speed than the typical mountain runner. So uh, I, I guess I'd figured I'd try to get maybe some distance on that part and see, because I figured they'd go out kind of slow to make sure they didn't blow up. Um, and then I also knew that it would be hard to pass later in the race just because it's, it's like a single track almost um, on the trail. So my strategy, I guess, was, stupidly enough, to go out kind of hard and just hang on and hope that it worked. Um, so I was leading most of the race. Pr probably from about 10 meters in, I was leading the race. And uh, I went out in about 5.40 for the first mile, which... I was probably a minute ahead of everyone else just because they were, uh, you know, being conservative and knew that they had two hours and five minutes more to go. So, uh, but it worked out well. I, I got through halfway point, um, two minutes ahead of everyone or more. And then I got through kind of a big turning point in the race is 10 miles in. Cause you get above tree line, it's 12,000 feet. And all of a sudden, uh, you go from running pretty steep switchbacks to, uh, these impossibly steep switchbacks on gravel. So uh, I knew that it'd be good to be leading at that point, and I was feeling great. I went into that um, leading again by like two, two and a half minutes, and I was thinking at that point, hey, maybe I'll win this thing, and maybe I'll even set the record. So <laughs> I was kind of going for it. Um, but I mistakenly 
didn't take any kind of gel or anything for a two hour plus race. And uh, so at 11 and a half miles, it's a 13 mile race, I bonked so hard. <laughs> so I, I was feeling fine, completely fine. And then uh, there's these big rocks you have to step over sometimes and they're about chest high. And so I, I stopped to actually walk, you know, you, I was planning on walking about 10 steps and this was one of them. And so I, I was stopped to walk over this one big rock and I went from feeling great to feeling like I was going to throw up and fall over just because it's, it's not good to bonk in the first place, but then you're at 13,000 feet. It's not a, not a great feeling. So, um, that slowed me down to walking pace for a little bit. So, <laughs> and were you able to acquire a gel of some sort at that point in the race to carry you through? No, I mean, there's nobody and nothing out there because it's such a hard, difficult trail and uh, it's, it's difficult to get anywhere on the course, really. So they had eight stations. They had about six of them along the way and I figured I'd be fine just having Gatorade at those and that went pretty well. Um, ironically, it was kind of funny. Right before then, I think uh, they had this giant barrel. Um, looked like one of those ones that they have like on the side of the highway when they're doing construction or something like, filled with sand. And it was filled with this nasty-looking Gatorade. <laughs> and I, I was like, they weren't ready for people to come by, I guess. So I, was, I saw them, and I was like, hurry up, hurry up. And they were, like, trying to find cups, and they were, like, fumbling them. Um, and so I had plenty of Gatorade during the, during the race, I guess, whatever they had to offer. But um, it just wasn't enough. So I didn't, didn't get a gel, and I just had to tough it out for the last mile and a half and ended up going a lot slower than I had planned and walking, like, 90% of it. So... Wow. That's why I ended up in third. <laughs> and when you finished that race, despite being in third, were you happy with the finish, or did it feel like a letdown in what it had experienced? I mean, I'm I'm a pretty optimistic person, so I was pretty happy. Uh, definitely won just to be done because it's pretty painful, and I was in the, not feeling great. And uh, I was also not terribly disappointed because I know that uh, my teammate on the U.S. team, Sage Candidate, had passed me, and so I wasn't you know disappointed too much about that. And, um, you know, being able to bronze medal in a world competition is, it's, it's a good start, especially never have run the mountain before. So, For sure. um, again, most, mostly, mostly I was thinking, thank God I'm almost done. So, <laughs> and I, I mean, ironically, I like, was so out of it. I, I kept on running like 10 meters past the finish cause I didn't even know what was going on. I was like delirious. My friend was there from uh, CU, Steve, and he just like gave me a hug and stopped me, and I was sitting down on a rock, didn't even know where I was. So. Wow. Now, how is your body feeling since then, and how do you recover from something like that? So luckily, it's uphill, so it's not quite as bad as some things, but I mean, it's just so intensely uphill that you kind of work these muscles that you don't really expect, so... I was sore in like the most bizarre places, like behind my knees and like hip flexors were just shot. So I couldn't even lift my legs for a couple days, but, uh, feeling really good today. So a couple days later already and feeling, you know, pretty recovered, which is nice because I got big stuff still to come and yeah, didn't want to be hurt and slow down from another mountain race. So. And earlier in the summer, you also had a really successful finish, a first place finish and a half marathon. Was that your first half marathon? And how did that how did that evolve? So that was my third half marathon. Um, just, I'm finally just getting into the longer distances and probably going to debut in a marathon in about six months or so. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I work with Roll Recovery, a small company here in Boulder, and um, we're going to work the Expo in Rock and Roll Chicago. And so I just went up there for a business trip. It was just going to work the Expo and maybe run the, the half marathon for fun or something because we could get, you know, if we could get an entry. 
Um, and so basically I worked like eight hour days and drove, we drove from Boulder and I can't even remember how many hours it was. Luckily I slept most of the way. <laughs> I made Jeremy Nelson the owner <laughs> drive. Um, and yeah, just kind of getting lucky and felt, felt good. And I guess, uh, rolling with our rollers for 16 hours and two days before kind of helped, helped me recover because I felt great and just took the lead and yeah, brought it home. So. Wow, it sounds like some of your racing recently has been very spontaneous. Definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, some things are planned. This summer was kind of just, I was just so happy to be not injured and to be able to, um, you know, just to be able to race when I want to and, uh, you know, go to some new races and experience new things I've never done before. So, yeah, I'm definitely happy and very just, um, just loving life and loving being able to run and enjoy the summer, so. <laughs> and as a self-coach athlete, how do you create your weekly plan? When you wake up in the morning, do you know what you're going to do? How does that work? So it has been very, like, touch and go just because I don't know where I've been, you know, in terms of my recovery coming back has been very slow. So I started running in, in March, and I figured out oh, by June I'll be fine. And so that's when I did my second half marathon, which was uh, Rock and Roll San Diego. Um and I was like, oh, I'll be 100% by then, and I'll be ready to go run fast, and I was nowhere near that, so <laughs> during that race, I was much slower than I thought, and um, it's really just been a day-by-day thing, so for the summer, I've just been racing almost every weekend, and um, recovering in between, just, you know, really just trying to run every day, stay healthy, and and do what I can, and right now, I'm shifting kind of into a more organized plan with workouts, and, um, you know, more thought out and scientific than just go out and run but uh it's been really nice just being able to say how do I feel today am I going to take today off am I going to run 20 miles or am I going to go run up a mountain sure (laughs) whatever I feel like so and living in Boulder it's an incredibly beautiful place that I had the privilege of getting to visit this past summer what is your favorite run to take there oh man there's so many um I really love this place that's just out of Boulder, so I guess I'm kind of cheating by not answering your question, but there's a a, um, a, a park called Brainerd Lake, which is about 40 minutes west of Boulder, and it's up at 10,000 feet, and I love just running there. There's just a bunch of trails and lakes and um, a little bit of road to run on, so yeah, I love going up there just because it's, it's gorgeous. Right now, it's like 70 degrees every day, and there's like wildflowers and um, these old like crooked pine trees. It's really beautiful. So it's very different. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And what will it be today? Have you already gotten your run in? Are you doing a double? What does today look like? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'll probably double. I'm trying to get a little bit more miles now. I'm planning on half marathons and marathons in the future. So um, in 10 miles this morning, I just ran from my house and up onto a trail kind of out in the foothills, out in some fields. And um, I'll run later today. I'm not really sure what, but somewhere between three and ten miles, depending on how I feel. and Probably not very fast. Again, I'm kind of just getting back from Pikes Peak, but trying to get some base in the next couple weeks. <laughs> That's great. Now, in your running journey, who would you consider your biggest inspiration, whether it be a teammate, a coach, a famous runner out there who you really look up to? Who inspires you? Oh, man. Um, it's so hard because, I mean, it always... There's so many people who are just inspirational in the sport. I mean, there's been 
there's been people who just inspire you kind of every day, you know, if it's your teammates who've been hurt and are coming back or, you know, people who are doing well that you never expected and, um, or, you know, people who are new to running and who just have that, um, vitality and things like that. So, I mean, I can't really pinpoint a certain person, um, who's been inspiring to me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Totally. And I know as a runner, um, a lot of us enjoy running books. Have you read any running books that really stand out to you or any books in general on kind of the life philosophy that really inspire you, keep you motivated? That's a good question. I'm kind of a hater on sports books just because ah! I always feel like athletes are such horrible authors and it's always corny and kind of cliche. So I, I usually avoid them, but I don't know. I've read a couple sports books that have been okay. So I read like the Michael Phelps book. I can't remember what it's called. And, you know, what about Roger Bannister and um, some, some other ones, but really it's more just, um, typically it's other books that inspire me more than, uh, than, than athletic books. So. And that's totally cool. So give me one book that you think every listener should read. Oh man. Um, oh gosh, there's so many good books. I like uh, The Old Man in the Sea, good old Hemingway, <laughs> back in the day. Um, I like, oh gosh, I'm blanking right now. By the way, I'm listening on book on tape to uh, Unbroken, so speaking of running books, that's one for you. So that's been pretty good so far. Cool. It's kind of running, kind of non-running related, so <laughs> that one's good too. Now, you've already kind of alluded to this, but you do have some plans ahead, some half marathons, some marathons. Tell me, what does this upcoming year have in store? Yeah, so uh, the next big thing for me is going to be Rock and Roll Philadelphia Half Marathon, which is an incredibly competitive stacked race. So I'm hoping to run a um, personal best there. We'll see how it goes. But crossing my fingers, I need to get a Olympic Trials qualifier for the marathon. So I need to run under 105, which um, shouldn't be a problem, but uh, it's eluded me this year so far. So I ran 103.25 last year at Grand Mons, and um, in Chicago and San Diego, I ran 105 and 106, so I haven't been able to run that yet. Um, so that's up next. And then uh, a couple of uh, maybe some other half marathons in between, but then end of the year, I'm going to do club cross country in Pennsylvania um, and probably the half marathon champs in Houston and then uh, in January and then February will be the U.S. cross country championships in Boulder, Colorado. So I'm looking forward to those those races coming up end of the year and early 15. (laughs) And for the marathon, would you run a marathon before the Olympic trials and what marathon would you target? Yeah, definitely. So I'm looking for one right now in uh, either late, late February or March, just so I can kind of get through some of those other races and get a lot of uh, hundred mile weeks plus under my belt and build up a little bit better than I have um, this summer. And yeah, I really want to get one in, I mean, it's kind of silly because I have no idea where I'm going to be because I've never run one before, but um, I train with Jeff Eggleston. I work with uh, Carlos Trulio, and, um, you know, there's so many other good marathoners in Boulder, and they qualified for the world championships, those two, Carlos and and Jeff did um, the last world championships. So it's kind of hard not to think about world championships, think about the Olympics and those kind of, those big events coming up, so... I'm trying to get one in, like I said, as soon as possible, which is for me, I think, uh, a good training, training, uh, you know, set up until March and then get one in before 
uh, next summer so I can hopefully qualify for the world championships, but at least have a chance <laughs> to, to qualify. Now, outside of running and biking, what would you say is something that brings you a lot of joy that listeners may not know from the surface? Um, well, I know you're a yoga fan. I used to be really into yoga. It comes and goes. Here in Boulder, when it gets cold, about January, February, I start loving to do um, Bikram, some warm, hot yoga. So that's one thing. Um, and, I mean, I just love nature, to be honest. I have, like, an ecology degree, um, amongst other things, and I always joke because, uh, so I have an ecology degree and I have like a human health degree, um, like two different bio degrees. And what do you do with an ecology degree if you're not really doing a career with that? And so I jokingly say that I use that all the time by going into the woods and like running and, you know, like study, like finding a flower and taking a picture of it and like looking it up on the internet or, (laughs) you know, using my ecology degree. So... Now, what has been, you think, the craziest animal you've ever seen on a run? Um, oh, man, there's so many. But my favorite is this thing called an ermine. And it's basically like a ferret. Um, and it's one of those weird Rocky Mountain creatures. And so it's, it's like a snow ferret. It changes color. So in the winter, it's white. And in the summer, it's brown. And I really wanted to see these for whatever reason. Yeah, I have like this checklist of animals I want to see. Um, and so I was looking for it for you know, like several years while running up in the mountains. And finally I saw one about two years ago and was so excited. <laughs> so that was a good one. Did you capture a picture? Oh, I tried, but they're, they're fast little devils, so it was gone. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. You see so many weird ones in the Rocky Mountains. You see moose and porcupines and, like, otters and stuff like that. So, <laughs> Have you seen a bear? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my friend Steve and I, who ran at CU, we used to jokingly call this one kind of easy trail near CU the uh, hyper-aggressive bear loop, <laughs> because when we were running on it one evening, kind of like at dusk, there was this like, little one-year-old bear, like uh, just a little black bear on the trail, and it was kind of dumbly looking around, eating berries or something, like right in the way, and it's like a little single-track trail, so of course we couldn't like go any further on it, um, so we had to like crash through the, the bushes to get to the other part of the trail. Um, but anyway, we, we jokingly call that the hyper-aggressive bear because this bear was definitely not, ironically, not hyper-aggressive at all. It was kind of slumbery. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, I'm really excited to see what happens for you in the upcoming months. It sounds like you have a lot of good stuff ahead of you. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> to close up our interview, I have a few fun either-or questions. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Smoothies or juices? Smoothies. For your superpower, would you rather fly or be invisible? Oh, this is obvious. You, unless you're a creeper, you want to fly. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one is tea or coffee? Coffee. I'm a coffee fanatic, but only on race day, so I can get the caffeine boost. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Andy, for sharing your story on the podcast. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, Thanks for listening to episode 69 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Andy Wacker, Boulder-based professional road and mountain runner. If you'd like to connect with Andy and the Running on Ohm community, you can find us on runningonohm.com, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, if you've listened to at least three podcasts, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It allows more like-minded people to find the podcast and the podcast to continue to grow. 
Feel free to comment or ask any questions on the Running on Ohm Facebook page. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.